What's up, everybody? Welcome. Episode 62 of the DLSS Podcast. Jermaine Man D-Love here. Nate's out for the first half. Don't you worry. He'll be back to bask in the glory for the second half of the show. Uh, but if you're noticing a pattern with the music, by the way, intro songs, walkout songs, um, you probably could even likely predict maybe next week's song. But this week's kind of a lob. Last week's was kind of a lob, too. And if you're watching the fights, of course, and when the main event started, Steve Wonderboy Thompson walks out. I wonder if you had a little bit of a, you know, connection in remembering you listening to the show last week so that's kind of the idea behind it and uh, i like the way that worked out so it's not always going to be the main event fighter but to keep it timely i'm going to be choosing my favorite walkout song from one of the more notable fighters on the following week's card in this case we're going to have a couple weeks break actually three weeks so uh it's not till january 16th so we'll be back here picking fights for you guys but welcome thank you for joining another special episode of the dlss podcast this one's jam-packed we got a lot of stuff to talk about we're obviously going to break down the fights from last night Stephen thompson taking on jeff neal in the main event uh, and then we're going to do our final recap for the predictions challenge points and the second half of the show is pretty much all about the predictions challenge uh, we're going to obviously do the award ceremony we're going to be looking ahead to next year and all the changes of the rules and mixing it up making it more fun for everybody and we're also going to be talking about the details uh, having to do with the giveaway you're not going to want to miss that because that's where you get the details on how to enter how you can enter multiple times what you have to do to enter which is really easy and when and uh, how you'll be able to figure out who won and who gets the I mean fuck it I'll tell you I'll tell you it's cash it's cash money baby I was like I keep trying to be like kind of like vague about what the prize is but no it's a hundred dollars cash everybody uh 2020 has been rough on everybody including myself but um if I can give back in just a little bit to those that are supporting me and have been supporting me throughout this last year and then some um then I'm going to figure out a way to do it so thank you guys for sticking it out and to culminate the uh, end of the year obviously we're not, not going anywhere we're going to be continuing to come each week with uh, hot off the presses content and trying to make sure to entertain your ear holes but what I'm trying to tell you now is that this is a, a very important episode for me, guys. It culminates the end of the very first, the inaugural predictions challenge. Uh, we gave it uh, maybe a couple weeks at the beginning when we were just getting our bearings. I don't think we did picks, but pretty much 60-plus weeks straight from October of last year till now. We've been making picks every single uh, fight card that the UFC puts on and others. So, yeah, it's it's been interesting. I think it's been an eight-or-plus week uh, straight Weekend after weekend after weekend of fights, uh, this last final stretch for the UFC. So, um, you know, I, I'll be here. We'll be here. We'll be putting out content. There's lots of things to talk about in the interim. But I think I'm going to enjoy not having to be on the spot and, and look at these fighters sometimes matched up with, you know, two people I like in the same fight and don't have the pressure of, uh, of picking fights for at least a couple weeks. But I'll be raring to go, ready to get back into it starting January 16th so I can get this back. Everyone loves a comeback story, right? Uh, we'll get more into it later, but I can't believe I lost the very first year, the very first ever predictions challenge contest but it's all good nate put up a strong fight and uh i think we both learned a lot this year and, and i definitely learned not to go for a hail mary in the very last week if i'm only down by four fucking points so uh, but yeah that's what it's all about having fun learning lessons and uh and putting our knowledge to the test so that's what it was and, and we had a great time and i'm really excited to the, get to the second half of the episode and go over all those things details and to uh 
what is it give credit where credit is due and uh yeah so let's jump right in episode 62 of the dlss podcast is brought to you by none other than dave decorsi and the decorsi group guys if you need to take some cash out of the equity or your home so a cash out refinance or if you need to purchase a home so you need to go through the process of getting approved for a loan make sure to support the people that support the show by going to www.thedecorsigroup.com that's t-h-e-d-e-c-o-u-r-c-y group.com let them know the dlss podcast sent you and it really would help us out a lot and lastly, real quick, before we jump over to start talking about the fights, I got to keep doing it, man. Thank you guys so much to everybody that's continuing to order batches of the turmeric tonic. I'm getting a, a lot of great feedback. A lot of people have been really had a lot of benefits coming their way from it. So that makes that makes me very happy. And I can't thank you guys enough for the additional support. And it is Christmas time. It is flu season, regular flu and coronavirus, all this stuff. So if you want to gift yourself or anybody else the gift of health and wellness and, you know, reduced inflammation and immune boosting and the list goes on. You know, visit my Instagram uh, at dloves underscore turmeric underscore tonic. Place an order. Let me know you, you know, list, you're a listener of the show. Of course, I'm going to give you a fat discount. I'll give you 15% off. So just if you guys are interested, make sure to hit me up. But for everybody who already has, thank you guys so much. It means a lot. And let's get to talking about these fights. Steven Wonderboy Thompson, man. Five rounds, kind of a throwback uh, vintage performance from him. And then some. He looks sharp. He looked really good. 37 years old, almost 38. His particular style does kind of like rely on uh, reflexes and footwork and good knees and a lot of things that, you know, you start to have slow down as you get up there in age. But he looked better than ever this time off. He's obviously been able to focus and he's in great shape. It's been over a year since he's competed. And I I just was really interested to see what Wonder Boy would come out and uh, if he's still at the top of the game. I mean, if you look at his resume and the people that he lost to up to this point, they're all killers. They're all at the tip top of the division. So. Uh, Jeff Neal was definitely a considerable step down in, in uh, competition. And the last couple cards of the year, you noticed it was kind of like up-and-comer versus a grizzled vet. Do they still got it, or is it a passing of the torch moment? So there was a lot of that last week, not so much this week. And, uh, man, but it did go five rounds. Jeff Neal, he's got a hell of a chin. He, he's got a warrior mentality. He wasn't out there to lose. He continued to try to solve the puzzle that is Wonder Boy. And in the you know third, fourth, fifth round, Wonder Boy started getting busting up. Uh, they, they did both have fat cuts from earlier when they had an unintentional headbutt, but later on in the round, Jeff Neal was landing some harder shots and was busting up Steven on the feet, uh, but only in you know in spurts. Steven was winning, uh, was leading the dance, was winning the striking exchanges throughout the entire fight, was basically put on a clinic, but a few really hard shots did land a little later in the fight. So uh, what I mean by that is that by the, by the end of the day, they were both banged up, and they went to town. They had a, a gutsy performance, a gutsy war. They were hugging it out, respectful as hell. In the, in the cage afterwards and uh, you know they both leveled up in my opinion but a phenomenal throwback performance for Wonder Boy man again like I said he looks sharp his footwork was on point. He was switching stances, coming from every single angle through all kinds of different strikes with the kicks and the and the punches. He was mixing it up well, never allowing Jeff Neal to put his back on the fence. Uh, you know, aside from those few brief moments. And uh, overall, again, I think both of them will level up from this. Jeff Neal says he's, he learned a lot, and uh, you know, he's not holding his head down. He he had a, a, a lot of adversity that he had overcome this year before even stepping in there. So he's holding his head high, and he's gonna uh, take this and learn from it and. Come come back stronger which is the right mentality so congratulations to both those warriors man it was a hell of a fight it was a pleasure to watch and uh yeah i'm looking forward to see if stephen thompson can have this this last run up there in age like i said but um he doesn't look like he's going anywhere soon so we'll see how far he can take this momentum 
Well, actually, surprise, surprise, someone got done a little early, a.k.a. I took forever to get to this point. I'm (laughs) lagged today. But, uh, yeah, we're not going to have to wait till the second half to hear from the man himself, my co-host, Nate. What up, brother? What's Uh, up? Perfect timing. I just kind of finished wrapping up my general thoughts on the main event, Wonder Boy taking out Jeff Neal. So why don't we just have you hop in and start there? Yeah. uh, Overall, you know, it went kind of how I – it went exactly how I expected. Uh, you know, Stephen Thompson just rode his bike. He he just kept active limbs moving, active jabs, active kicks. Uh, took great angles, man. And just volume, volume, volume. Uh, did a great job at using some good jabs to the head, crosses to the body, mixing up, you know, all levels. Uh, but really, what really made it was just his output and his distance. Great range, as usual. Uh, you know, Geoff Neal just couldn't find his range, couldn't find the rhythm. Uh, he, you know, he was doing okay keeping uh, Stephen Thompson on his back foot and keeping him, you know, cutting him off. But you know, he just he was cutting him off, but he wasn't making him pay. Uh, you know, he wasn't making Stephen Thompson pay. Uh, he would cut him off and he would get him into certain positions, but he'd still give him just enough space for Stephen Thompson to strike and move. Uh, Jeff really needed to make this a more dirty fight. He needed to clinch more, make it more of a dirty boxing fight. He, need, I, I would like to see him throw more kicks. Um, he needed to throw more weapons just to give Stephen Thompson more looks. There's a lot of things that Geoff Neal could have done more. He's a heavy hitter. Uh, I'm sure he'll come back. This is his third loss, uh, but he's 13-3. and three, still got a good record. Um, and, you know, he's still young in the UFC, and I think he's got plenty of talent. Um, I think I mean, you're so. right. There was sometimes he got him kind of cornered a little bit, but credit to Stephen Thompson. Like, just immediate jab and move. Jab and and, and he would move, come stick, forward. Stick. You know, Frankie talked to us a, a lot about, like, how you don't just have two options when your back is up against the fence. You have three, meaning you can go into your opponent, too. So mm-hmm. he would a lot of times switch and dart forward with that right cross and then, and then just move and out to the out. left yeah. side. And he was doing a lot of, uh, of, like you were saying, Jeff Neal did – bring the pressure and constantly like was trying if that makes sense so steven had to continue to use that lateral movement and and take one of those three options and he continued to make wonder boy do that but he was able to do it throughout the entire fight even in the smaller octagon yeah you know really for five round fight two uh gf neal took too much time and 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 was he cut him off a lot but he stayed in high guard a lot and he didn't really set up strikes he uh didn't, he didn't put things together. That's I think the, the commentators actually had this one right. Sometimes I give him a hard time, but they were talking about with Wonder Boy. One of the problems is 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 that he's he's so elusive. You're sitting there trying to figure him out, and by the time you think you have something, he switched it to something else. So like, what they pointed out, which I really liked, was that you need to strike together, strike with yeah, Wonder strike Boy, a- especially in this particular kind of like uh, equation with these two particular fighters and the way that their styles worked and their speed matchups and all that. Mm-hmm. Jeff Neal was not going to be able to, like you said, have a high guard block one of the or you know five of the offensive barrage by wonder boy and then at the end of the combination be able to strike back and counter you're gonna have to go at the exact same time he was taking a pretty decent amount of hard shots as it was so a lot of times the risk of like exchanging in the pocket at the exact same time is that you're open to shots but in this case that was going to be the only way he's ever ever going to even put his hands on wonder boy yeah and it really just went how i expected it to um Mainly because of the output, the footwork, and the movement, and how many weapons that Stephen Thompson has to offer compared to watching Je- uh, Jeff Neal fight Jeff Neal. Yeah, um, is that he's just got hands. He's got powerful hands. He got hands of power, um, and that's what's gotten him far. But when you fight a guy who's got much more weapons and who's fought top tier athletes like Stephen Thompson, 
if you only got hands to offer, Stephen Thompson's seen it all. You're gonna, like I said, you have to give him different looks. Like, for example, Stephen Thompson was against the cage the whole time, and Stephen would use that cross to come in or commit or hard jabs or, or quick one-twos or quick jabs and, and side kicks to get out. But when a guy is heavy on his jab a lot and relying on that, the, the leg kick is there. Like yeah, he needed to throw more kicks. More He's kicks. thrown more kicks than other fights before. He threw a few in this, but definitely was, know, was lacking. You know, which I don't understand because you're not really too worried about grappling or going to the ground with yeah. Steven. I think the leg kicks would have been great, especially with affecting the movement. When he threw, he, you know, affecting the movement of Steven Thompson, you really got to rack those calf kicks and leg kicks. Yeah. I didn't see any from him. I saw some good body kicks. When he was throwing kicks, he was he was able to catch some kicks on Steven Thompson when he was circling right or left, like some left body kicks yeah. on the way out. And he was close. He almost had a head kick, um, but I would like to see a lot more leg kicks set yeah. up with his hands, especially when if he can know if he's going to punch and Stephen Thompson's immediately going to react when he comes off the cage, if you could easily time a step back right leg kick and just keep racking those legs. So every time Stephen wants to commit with a jab, he's going to eat a leg. Um, so he was throwing so many different things at him. I, I think Neil was just a little overwhelmed and maybe yeah. caught up by the moment. But you're right. As far as like a small little chink uh, tweak to your game plan that would have made a large difference, I think you're right. I was talking about like kind of like ingredients in a matchup, right? Well, e even if you think or or concede that this opponent may have better footwork, has more reach, and, and has these things that kind of put me at a disadvantage in, in the striking realm, what do you have to do? You pointed it out perfect. You have to approach the fight, especially a five-round fight, like a recipe that the first couple rounds I'm going to have to do certain things to slow down his movement, to put him in a yeah. position where I can actually cut him off and put my hands on him. But you're right. He just kind of continued to try to do the same things. Walk him down high guard. And, and, and he didn't mix it up enough for, for someone that's seen so much in Stephen Thompson that you're right it just he had, he wasn't setting any traps he was just really reacting to what Stephen was giving him and yeah and when he reacted Stephen was gone yeah exactly and that's just you and know. I think and I gotta give credit to Thompson in this case where it wasn't just Neil not executing because when I said earlier in the show in the intro and stuff that he was like a throwback performance and then some what I meant is like all the things you expect from him but like ratcheted up and even better even tighter even faster better reaction time he just I mean 25 foot octagon is really tough for his particular style and size and he was able to keep his back off the cage for most of that fight so he yeah. did just a great job overall he's just a very impressive fighter you know I've sparred guys like that and I've been able to catch him, but it takes you have to give him a lot of looks, man. You can't just be high guard because if you just stay high guard and walk him down, guy who's got volume like that and, and good reaction time, you're gonna eat peppered shots the whole time you're trying to walk in. You really gotta bait him. You gotta gotta get him to check, or you gotta, gotta really start racking chess. their legs, and then you gotta go back to the head, or you really gotta start. You gotta give him a lot of looks to make them think. All right, you gotta start tricking them because if you make it, if you if you he was watching, he was a walking punching back. He was walking him down, but he was a punching back the whole time. And you gotta give him a lot of looks. And once you have him cut off, you really gotta set up good combinations like left hooks to get him into or right hooks or nice jabs, depending if you want to, like, I, to get someone against the cage, I'll set up a nice step-in jab to get them back, and if I think they're going to circle left because they have a better angle going towards their right, I'll throw a left hook to get them back towards my center, and then I can force them in the cage, and then I'll close my distance, and I'll mix in some knees, some some good kicks. Um, yeah, he wasn't on that level where he was starting to, like, manipulate the other fighter's rights. movement. He was like, for hard counter straight, hard counter That's overhand. second and third level metagame, where, like, you're not just worried about the technique of the punches and kicks you're throwing and everything, like, you're thinking game plan wise and you're at a point where you can literally like set yeah. traps and walk them in certain directions to put them in certain yeah. places he was having none of that if anything he was on the receiving end of all that but overall stuff. i can't say much i've never sparred T stephen thompson but watching how he's how he fights man the guy's 
super tough, constant volume. He's got great reaction time. You immediate the minute you flinch, the minute he's going to counter or throw something to get you not even inside. He's focused. He's really focused right now, man. Uh, before we move on to the next fight, uh, I'm just going to bring this up. That he, he, you know, anyway, Stephen Thompson, great performance. GF Neal just wasn't your night. Had a hard time figuring things out. Got to give him more looks next time. Mix it up more. Um, cut him off a little better. And when you do cut him off and you have him, I think he needs to engage instead of go. combinations. He needs to go. If you're that far behind in the and fight. he needs to yeah. engage more in the clinch. Not sitting in the clinch, but those hard knees. Like when he had that hard knee towards the end, he really damaged his leg. And then those hard kicks would have came in really handy at that time. I uh, got to work a guy's legs out like that. But, um, you, you know, Stephen Thompson brought up uh, Jorge Masvidal. NMF versus BMF. And I want to say that I am on board for that. I know a lot of people are not on board for that because it's not – it's whatever, because they, they want to see Masvidal fight another gangster. They want to see or it Masvidal. might be cheesy to or, them or something like that. But, but no. let me tell you what: these guys it, are vets. And plus, they've both been around a long time. You guys got to think of like not. You got to think of history here and think of where Stephen Thompson wants to go and what he deserves. Who just fought Usman, Masvidal? Who just lost to Usman, Masvidal? Who did Stephen just won? And Stephen has and fought. Stephen beat the crap out of Masvidal on the feet, just like he he teed up GF Neal. Stephen Thompson wants one more run for the belt. He beat Masvidal uh, with a performance like this against a guy who's been knocking people out. Uh, I think it's a great matchup. I think it's a fair matchup. I think it's a good. He already beat him, so this is a good chance to to see who's grown. Let's see who if if Masvidal is gonna beat him or if Stephen Thompson is gonna have a similar performance to the last time. <coughs> Excuse me. And if he wins, he's 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 there for another title shot, and he has his run. But I don't think it's like a, a huge jump, and I don't think it's unfair to Stephen Thompson or unfair to Jorge Masvidal to fight someone where Stephen Thompson's ranked. He's he's beat him on the feet dramatically. Uh, Geoff Neal was um, a big prospect, and he beat him in great fashion. So, uh, and Jorge lost uh, to Usman, even though it was on a short fight camp, you know, overall. But I think this is a good fight because right now Stephen Thompson's in good. If Masvidal wins and he stays up there, Stephen Thompson wins, then. He's in title contention again, you know. So yeah, as far as Stephen Thompson's concerned, I think it make, it checks all the boxes because yeah. kind of like from the purists and like if you just check the rankings, like as far as like what's fair kind of thing, like th that makes sense. Kind of like what you just talked about in terms of their trajectories. One's coming down in momentum, the other one's on an upswing, so they're kind of meeting each other in the middle again up there in that top five. Um, but I also feel like um, it it takes it's like kind of a money fight too for Thompson. It's not only like the one that's in his mind, the correct one for the rankings and yeah. kind of like from the purist standpoint, but it's also a money fight. So it's kind of like two birds and one stone. And also, like you said, if he's, you know, the trifecta is, is his, he's only in this game to continue to pursue a title and he's not just sticking around uh, like other people do for maybe higher profile fights, but he wants to pursue gold and he wants to try to get back there before he calls it quits. So with all those three things in mind, of course, Jorge Masvidal checks all those boxes. Plus he's got a win over him, right? I think for Jorge, it, it's not necessarily as appealing because a, it's not going to make him as much money as or who he has potential to fight. Exactly right. So that's what's been on the table yeah. when talks for him is to potentially face uh, Colby Covington, both of which lost to Usman. So that kind of helps their trajectory to turn out who's going to be the number one contender to face the winner of Burns versus Usman when that finally ever happens. So those kind of four are up in that little club, and, and it doesn't make 100% sense to let someone like Thompson back in, which because he's a hell of a fighter and, and poses a lot of threats, as we just saw. So... It's going to be ultimately to how the circumstances and the timing shakes out because yeah. the UFC is not going to want them just sitting. They're going to want to make fights. So if, if I had if, to guess, if, the in the UFC's long-term you know, vision and goals, they want to make the most money they can. So yeah. either they ratchet up the whole NMF versus BMF and they make it, or they – and this is like loose – 
loosely used term, quote-unquote, protect Jorge in this particular case so they can get one or two more, like, higher-profile fight, fights out of him before he potentially loses. Yeah, but, yeah, but I honestly, dude, I think... Uh, but I'm down, too. I, yeah, I threw it out there. I, I like the idea. Yeah, I, I like fun. the idea. Listen, if you want to go based on money fight and, and tra- if you want to go off trajectory here... I think it is a bad. I think it's a good move for Hori to make money, but a bad move. I think he'll lose. I think Kobe Covington will beat him, and I think he'll beat him easily. That's just my truth. I think he will be. I think he's on the feet. He's way underestimated, and I think his wrestling, grappling, he he's gonna just demolish Jorge in those standpoints, and he mixes it up very, very well. So you're saying if you're Jorge, let's pump the brakes, get the NM, uh, B, NMF money in I belt, think he has and a then better, face someone I think he like has Kobe. A better chance. So I feel like he's only got a few more fights I, I left before too. he and cashes out. And I think he's got a better chance fighting. Beating Stephen Thompson than he does Kobe Covington right now. That's just my truth. That's, just because the, my the wrestling uh, threat. Yeah, but but and Kobe's better who, on the feet than people give him credit for. You're yes, right. Yes, he's much better. Than, and uh, I think Kobe would give him a very hard time. I think he would watch oh, Kobe think, versus Rob uh, Robbie Lawler if you debate me on that. And, and uh, you know, I've noticed with Jorge. Um, he does good when he's in control, but when he gets, starts to get overwhelmed, he kind of wimbles a little bit, and uh, he, it's it's. It, it depends on his night, you know. Um, he went five rounds on short notice and like he knew he good. was outmatched and, and kind of kept himself He's safe. Dramatically better, but but I but see what you, I've seen what you're talking about I've in his it. older fights. I haven't I have seen two. it as of late, but Usman, to be completely fair, He's is the, is the most obviously is the champ, but the most elite level competition that Jorge's faced since coming Absolutely. back from that reality show, kind of changing his whole you know the resurrection, yes. his whole mentality. Yes. So yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know, man. Uh, it's it's kind of difficult to peg where he is Jorge the, that is skill wise because I've been watching him for years and years and years just like we talked about the Oliveira and stuff like that it's taken him so long to kind of pop and be on the yeah. UFC and casual fans radars so now that he's up and, and kind of has this persona along with him you never really I don't it's tough because versus Usman is one thing but then versus Nate is a whole another thing so it's kind of difficult to see where he actually yeah. fits in that top five yeah but he's an OG he's 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 he's, he's a gangster so honestly I, skills I, I, yeah, straight up, I think he's going to go for the money fight. He will. He's game to fight anyone, so I think he will probably try to go for Kobe Covington. I think it's a money fight, and it'd be very fun to watch. Uh, he definitely, you know, he's got that punch power, so it can happen at any moment. And he did survive a lot longer with Usman than we expected, uh, especially on a short notice. Um, and the thing is, Stephen Thompson, I mean, put a, a very just constantly was just touching him up. So who knows? Yeah, it, styles Steven, make fights. So it could be something that's just he's got his number, you know? Yeah, and see, it might not be a good matchup for him either. So it's, you know, but, he, he knows better than we do. But, but he did fight him when he was short hair goatee Jorge versus long hair street Jesus. So I'd be interested to see yeah. if that makes any difference in terms see, of yeah, the mentality, the, the way cha- the fight plays let's out. Let's see if the cha- what, what changes have made. But anyways, uh, that's our thoughts, guys, on where it could go. Um I, I think we should move on to the next event before yeah, we get dive too deep into perfect it. Perfect segue. Kind of, I mean, I mentioned it now two or three times, but it's just good to reiterate it that this next fight is no exception over the last weekend's card and then this weekend's card. There's this kind of theme, at least I felt like I noticed, between like kind of up-and-comer, passing of the torch moment versus like a grizzled veteran. Are you still – do you still have it? Are you still going to be sticking around? Or with those 60 cuts coming in the next month or so, are you going to be on the chopping block? So the next fight I felt like kind of fit that mold as well. Jorge – I'm Sorry, Jorge, we just talked about him. Jose. Jose, Jose Aldo defeats Marlon Chito Vera. Uh, unanimous decision. It was one round apiece going into that third round. He ended up taking him down and basically was on his back the entire third round. Remember, you saw Cheeto kind of jerking off and just, like, expressing his frustration with that. I hate that, stuff, that, man. I like, hate that stuff. You're an MMA fighter. If you can't get up from that position, 
that's that's not him holding you down. It's you not being able to get up from that position. Don't don't be a dick about it. I mean, especially when someone's on your back. I'm a big fan of Cheeto. I'm not I'm not as like frustrated with it as you are, but I completely agree You're with you. You're an MMA fighter. Get up. Get yeah, up. It, if you can't get up, that that shows your level of experience on the ground. It's not Jose Aldo being cheap. It's you not knowing how to get up from that position. But or, when you have four minutes and fifty three seconds on someone's back and you can't sub them, I mean, the ref's not going to stand up someone that's on your back. That's for damn sure. So yeah. I think he was just frustrated with the fact that it's like, yeah, you know, there's thirty seconds left. You're stalling out to finish the yeah. fight. And I understand his frustration, but I totally agree with your point too. Yeah, just the reason you're frustrated is because you have no options, and if you don't have options, that's your fault. Yeah, exactly. But um. Yeah, just be humility. Man, I didn't really think I was going to be shitting on Cheeto in the intro to this part. I'm not shitting on him. He I mean, put up a great fight, better than I expected. It was no. it was somewhat close, but Aldo was just able to mix it up a little bit more. Like, if you look at total strikes, Marlon Vera had 92 compared to Aldo's 60. Uh, significant strikes, it was somewhat closer. Aldo had 44, and Marlon Vera had 46. What really helped open yeah, up the fight. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of those strikes, they count yeah. strikes on the ground, yeah. uh, uh, too. So, mm-hmm. um, I think first round... All Jose Aldo. Second round, Cheetah was coming on, and I feel like he finished that round on like a good momentum swing, went back to the corner, ready to come out in the third. And and you even saw it, man. Like I said, 4.53 of control time for Jose in that third round, meaning it only took seven seconds for Vera to spring across the cage. He tried to just sit down on his punches and bang it out. Well, little did he know that uh, Cordero, it wasn't Cordero, I'm sorry, Penaneras, I believe, is, is, is Jose's coach, told him, can you take him down? Let's have you take him down and switch it up this round. So as Vera went out to try to bang, he got game planned, uh, game plan switch up on Jose, dropped him, put him on his back the rest of the round, and that was all she wrote, man. Yeah, that was really what decided this fight. It was uh, a close fight, but I mean, in the second and third round, uh, towards the late second round and uh, third round, Aldo really started to mix up the body shots really well, made it really overwhelming, started mixing up his strikes better. Uh, man, he just looked like the old Aldo. And then the veteran move, man, just mixing in the grappling, and we really saw a difference in levels of grappling here and just control. And uh, the ground game of Jose Aldo, man, really helped him pull through. But Marlon Vera definitely proved to be tougher than I expected. Um, he'll definitely come back stronger. This is a big step up for him. And uh, Jose Aldo, uh, I mean, calling out TJ Dillashaw after two. Uh, we'll see where that goes. We have a couple other people that called out TJ Dillashaw. Who else was it? It was uh, Rob Font. So um, depending on who wants to, what direction that's going to go, I mean, that would be interesting. I would love to see the uh, Aldo and TJ fight because I think that's a better chance for TJ because Aldo's, you know, get a little older and he's got some wear and tear. And t- this is a good fight for TJ to come back and test himself and, and get off some ring rust. And I think he might be able to edge out a win. Uh the thing is, uh, I'm with Rob Font, he's he's been active and he, right, he's game, man, and he's a scary dude. So I think that would be a more dangerous uh, fight for him to come back to. So um, I definitely think stylistically, Rob Font is more of a problem for TJ, although I would love Absolutely. to see either of those. Yeah. Like, I think it's funny, TJ was saying online, like, all these fools are calling me out because they know it's really my belt. Well, I think it's because you have a high-profile name. They all think if you were juicing the whole time that you're going to be an easier matchup than before. Exactly. And, they, and you know, it's just... I think they just want to beat you up because you juiced. Yeah, and maybe, and that might be part of it. I mean, it <laughs> definitely goes into the narrative to help build the fight. It gives them fuel to, for the fire in terms of talking yeah. shit to the camera and the, and the behind-the-scenes guys on the way up building promos. But I think sometimes, and I don't want to, like, outright say, I, mean, I'm, I know people and we're friends with people who are close in that proximity to TJ, so I'm not outright jumping on him and talking shit, but I just think sometimes people think people are calling them out for the wrong reasons. In this, this particular case, Rob Font, 
Jose Aldo and a lot of other people, I just think that they see they're licking their chops. They see this big name guy that's been out for a considerable amount of time, coming off two shoulder surgeries, potentially less um, you know efficient. You know, yeah, depending possibly. on what happened. So all these other things go into it, and I just I'm excited for him to come back in that way. So again, I'm not trying to talk shit on the guy. I, I don't necessarily think he's. I don't label him as like a lifelong cheat or anything like that. No. He explained no, himself for for that particular instance, but all that stuff th- goes out the window in my mind when I when I start to think about who I'd potentially want to see him fight. I, so from just the pure fan in me, not thinking about either of their careers, well maybe one of them. I don't want to see Rob Font get that fight, but yeah. That's just me. I think that would be a, a tough fight for TJ. I think it would be a very tough fight to come back to. TJ is well-rounded. He's got a lot of good good skills that aren't just on the, on the feet. So I think he could mix it up and yeah, make, I would makes love people to see think. That fight. So. I would love to see that fight over Aldo. Uh, I always think of like... I think Aldo would actually... I, I want to see that fight too. I want to see, see both. that too. I think career-wise, uh, him going with Aldo... Even though Aldo's a savage, would be a better fake than Rob Font because Rob Font's putting people to sleep. It's embarrassment of riches. So I would like him to. I would like him to make a smart move, and I think the smart move would be for him to fight Aldo, edge out. I think he'd edge out a decision. That's what I think for now. Well, I'll concede that I would be happy to watch that one. Just yeah, to say. and then I think Rob Font could be the next step. Who knows? Uh, Speaking I think, of Rob Font, I think holds. Yeah. Yeah, let's I, just jump over to it. Rob Font, the 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 New England cartel comes away with the first. Was it first round? Yeah, the yeah. End of the, yeah, first round KO victory of Marlon Marais. It was uh, action packed. So just how what time was it? The first round? You're looking at it. Three minutes forty seven seconds. My computer took a shit, guys. So I'm looking on our yeah, phone. Three minutes and forty seven seconds. Dude, so this was a back and forth. All, like I said, all action. There was kind of momentum swings both direction. Marlon Marais switched it up on him and and dive, dove under his first initial jab, took him down, and there was some interesting kind of scrambling and grappling on the bottom. But once it got back to the feet, Marlon seemed like his arms were gassed from going from a guillotine and doing all that grappling, and he just was one step behind. Yeah, Rob Font just picked him apart with a four-piece, man. Put him put him on his butt, bro. Almost you know, took caught, him out with a couple him with jabs. Caught him with a good jab right uppercut and put him on his butt, finished him on the ground. That was time. beautiful. And uh, it just shows you the power that Rob Font possesses, man. One of the punches that staggered him was a stiff jab. I mean, at bantamweight, the guy's throwing stiff jabs and, and shaking you. And what did we say last week, which proved to be right? Yeah. Calvin Cater, man, he says he that said. this guy's no joke. If anyone's gonna, you know, make him push himself even harder in the in the gym, it's gonna be Rob Font, and that's the guy that's down a weight class from uh, from Cater. But yeah, this really shows, um, you know, Rob Font's potential, man. Just a dangerous opponent. So I'm excited to see more of him. Uh, that leaves us with a couple fights that we'll touch up. You know, Michael Pierre versus Colin Williams. You know, Michael Pierre. You know, it was pretty close, even the whole fight. But Michael Pierre was really just able to mix in some grappling and takedowns. He was very patient, wasn't too wild, and was able to get the decision victory over Colin Williams. Um, excellent fight uh, with Michael Pierre. Uh, also did another call out. He actually called out Pettis, who we'll talk about shortly. We'll see how that goes answered. Uh, t- touch on another one: heavyweight fight, Marcin Tybura versus Greg Hardy. Man, uh, Greg Hardy looked pretty good on the feet for the first uh, first round. I thought he was going to possibly fin- finish Marcin Tybro in the second round, but Tybro was able to get him down, and Greg Hardy looked like a fish out of water and was just not able to get up and got finished TKO on the ground by Marcin Tybro. Yeah, this is Marcin Tybro's third victory in a row. His last loss was to uh, Augusto Sakai, who was a, a championship contender. Um, so it's I'm curious to see where this goes, who he's going to face next, really. Yeah, and then also I think the chaos 
Williams and Michelle Pajeda fight was like expected to be fireworks, and and it wasn't quite Ngannou versus Lewis, but it was he definitely Michelle Pajeda did what you said he had to do last week in order to win this fight. Just neutralize that chaos, be disciplined, be patient, and not get too crazy. He did have a little flair like he does towards the end of the fight if he thinks he's winning. Plus, man, I don't know Chaos Williams second third round when he got tired it did start to look a little you know untechnical. So we'll have to see where they go. He goes from here, and then like you said, congrats to Marcin Tibora stringing these fights together. I'll be interested as well to see who they put him up against next. But a couple of other fights on the card. Jimmy Flick gets a basically jumping triangle submission in the first round over Cody Durden. Christian Giagos, which is kind of a local fighter to this area, comes on, I think, 48 hours notice and gets the win over Carlton Minus. Jillian Robertson ended up dropping a decision to Talia Santos. So Talia Santos is a problem in that women's flyweight division. Tafan Nikichkui takes out Jamie Pickett, both Dana White contender series prospects. And then Darren Wynn ends up getting a decision over Antonio Arroyo. That was an interesting fight, too. Uh, also, real quick, Panzia Kenziad takes out Sajara Eubanks, another person who I'll be interested to see in the Bantamweight division because Sajara was getting some momentum and doing well. So I'll be interested to see who they put Pani up against next. But that leads us to the last one that we're going to touch on before we wrap up this half of the episode. Anthony Showtime Pettis, similar to Stephen Thompson. Like I said last week, man, a lot of passings of the torch, but not this week. The old veteran shows that they still got it. And it takes out Alex Morono in a, in a tough fight, but a good three-round decision where he faced some early adversity but ended up overcoming it to get the win. So congrats to Anthony Pettis. You got thoughts on this one? Yeah, he did great, man. Just really good in-and-out movement, uh, really good timing, really good jabs and kicks. Uh, he mixed it up very well and just gave Alex Morono a lot of looks, man. Uh, 80, it shows you how much strikes he threw and how much he gave him to look at. Uh, 80 total strikes compared to Alex Morono's 50. Uh, 50 significant strikes compared to Alex Morono's 31. And then, uh, yeah, man, he just looked phenomenal. Early, like, jumping scissor kick puts him on his back early in the first round. You know, takes a couple hard shots, which he talked about in the post-fight interview. You know, he's, he's got to fight off the submission for the majority of the round, but resettles, comes back in the second and third, and does what he does best, man. Striking, just Put clinic. Striking clinic, man. Too much for Alex Morono to handle. So. Dude, I wanted to find the video that I have somewhere. I don't know where it is, though, um, of Ivan training. You know, it's it's not like it's it's the most spectacular thing in the world, but it's awesome to be able to execute it in a fight. But I wanted to put, like, the, the same, same, but different, but still same, and just do the video next to uh, Pettis throwing and Ivan throwing what's that, basically like a low calf kick or a low kick, and then immediately once you replant that leg, you spin for that spinning heel kick. Mm-hmm. Um, Ivan does that all the time, and, and he executes it just like that. And, man, was that that was awesome, man. Just It wouldn't be a Showtime fight without something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You throw some great axe kicks and crane kicks. I was like, dang, man, this guy still got it, the flexibility. He just seemed a lot lighter on his feet than he normally does. He was more sideways, more in and out, kind of like Stephen Thompson. I mean, he mixed it up very well, but he was a lot lighter on his feet. I know it's very light, and he looked good. Yeah, and if you watched a lot of the interviews in the lead-up to this fight, I feel like a lot of the changes uh, in terms of him looking sharp out there were just, were just his mindset. He has got a sports psychologist that's really helped him to, as he continues to repeatedly say, helps him stay present in the moment. And I and I wanted to bring that up not only because I think it had a significant impact on his fight and his performance, so we're getting the best out of him at this later part of his career, but in terms of him throwing that jumping scissor kick in the beginning of the fight and then having... You know, it put him on his butt, faced some adversity, and caused some problems. To have that same presence of mind, to know who he is and know what ability he has to be able to throw that low kick to spinning heel kick later on in the fight, I feel like speaks to his ability to kind of like that was the past. That was just it, it is what it is. It happened that way because it did. Let's not keep that for keep me from being you know 
refraining from doing stuff like that because that's when he's in his flow state. That's when he's feeling good. That's when he's being himself. So I'm just happy for him. I'm happy he was able to find that that center to allow him to to perform at that level. So I think it's going to be interesting to see who you know who they put him up against next because that was at 170. Yeah, and he also they also asked him. They asked him like, "Hey, are you gonna stay at 170?" And he he was pretty confident, like, "No, I'm gonna go to 155." And we know uh, Michelle Pierre just called him out, but Michelle Pierre ain't not making 155. Hell no. I, Maybe that's part of the reason he's trying to get back out of that weight <laughs> class because there's some giants there's some at 170. Giants, man, and he looked kind of lean uh, too uh, when he fought. So um, I I think uh, yeah, go for it at 155. I think 170 is uh, a good weight, healthy weight class for him. But I feel like it's a tough weight class for him. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like he's got one more run at 155. So let's see him. Let's see him go to 155. So I think that whole uh, Pierre fight's going to be scratched. I think he's. It's not even across his mind. He's going to go to 155, and I think they'll put him up with a dog, um, and then he'll get his chance. And if he does good, hopefully he can get close to that title. And if not, then uh, he had a great career. Okay. Champion, well, know? then that means that leaves us with the last thing I'll say about this, which is what I put on my social media. It was a perfect segue by you. Do you, they run back the fight between him and Tony Ferguson that he lost? Yeah. Absolutely, because he lost because of his hand being broken. But until then, he he rocked him in the in, in the early rounds, and yep. uh, and it was a bloody war. And uh, I he I think he could have potentially beaten Ferguson. He was putting hands on him. Um, so yeah, that run with it, that newfound mindset and everything. Run it back. Let's run it back. He's Tony going, would like that high profile fight. Yeah, I feel like he's coming in off a win. He's going down back to 155. Tony's coming off a loss, but against a very very tough tough Charles Oliveira. So that keeps him up there in the discussion it's, with a big bigger name, someone that people know in in uh, Pettis. So maybe Tony should take this fight. Yeah, what do you I, think? I think it's a great idea. I think it's an excellent idea because it's going to be a striking match, which is what he's going to want. Um, better than uh, a grappling match, and I think that. Um, I think he has a, a. I think that's a good fight to run. I, I think it's a great way to either shoot Pettis up there or keep Tony where he is. But uh, we need to run it back. Yeah. I think it's an excellent fight, fun to watch. And hashtag know, would watch. We got to see what would have happened if he didn't break his hand. So for sure. And well, that pretty much does it, guys. That wraps up the recap for the last card of the year in 2020. And in order to culminate the last year that we've had making picks for you guys each and every week, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and then do the, I guess, call it awards ceremony for the <laughs> inaugural D-Love's yeah. Special Sauce Predictions Challenge Let's winner, go. Mr. Nate Debtula. Yes, Let him bask in the glory. So stay put. We'll be right back. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Soak it up. Yeah. Bask in the glory. You lost on your own podcast. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> oh, snap. Be the best. There it is. All Nate does is win, 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 no matter what. I kicked Dustin's butt. Oh. Are you a DJ now? DJ Dusty Love. Oh, dude, gotta throw in clean. There you go. You're well, not to make your ego any bigger, but there you go. You're welcome. I, I deserve that. Music, you're right. You How earned it. How long did that take you? Too long. Just too long. I'm worth three hours of your life? Longer than I would have rather spent building you up by the way of music. I can only imagine the whole time you're just like <laughs> crying. Like, this is my podcast, and I'm making three hours of music for this guy. <laughs> no, I put it out on my Instagram, and... Um, that little kind of thought bubble sequence of how funny is it that you lost on your very own podcast? And my friend Wes, shout out to Sauced Meals, he responded, oh, you guys do comedy too? 
So apparently, unintentionally, I do comedy <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, it's like a way of being angry, but just making a joke about it, so it, it makes them less angry. Yeah, and yeah, no. if you guys listen to the intro, I meant it when I said we both learned a lot. I enjoyed the process. Uh, over the course of 60-plus weeks, man, there was a not very many weeks where we didn't have fights to pick, and it put a lot of pressure on you to really, you A know, lot, dude. I would, like, the last one, dude, I was so laser-focused. I was like, it was my best one, 13 points or something like that. That's right. We'll it get into those points. One. Actually, if you guys want, we're just going to go back classic style, even though this is the ceremonious episode uh, for, you know, Mr. Nate Guys, over here. Guys, if you don't get it, I, I won the predictions challenge. Oh, shit. Apparently, if you say it, too, the music starts. Dude, that was miraculous. Yes. Well, let's yeah, do it. Give me the loop. Let's wrap the points. The 2020 predictions challenge results are in. Nate ends up killing this week, as he said earlier, with a 13-point sweep. I need to learn my lesson and not go for the Hail Mary. I was closing I was closing in on you. No, but I felt like I was pretty, you know, legitimately had faith in some of these. It there turns were, there out. There were some solid underdogs. I guess Rob Font came through, but the other ones, no. The older, uh, older grizzled veterans decided to show them, nah, nah, I'm still here. I'm still relevant, so yeah. come back another time. But three points he gets, exactly calling it right on Anthony Pettis, unanimous decision. We both got a goose egg on Hardy. Shit the bed there. But Santos, he also got three points. Unanimous decision. He got zero on Marais. I did get some points on Font, but that was about it because he also got one on Pajeda. Three points calling it right on Aldo and three points calling it right on Thompson. So that's four fights. He called it exactly right. I guess no other way to finish off the year than with pretty much a clean sweep. 13 points to two, ending 236. Wait, I gotta wait because I do this on purpose with the with the gunshots. 236 to 221 is that we wrap the 2020 predictions challenge. Congratulations, Nate. This is probably the Shake only. Your hand. This is the only good thing that came out of 2020. I think <laughs> there's, there's a few good things, but this is definitely one, one of them. them. Congratulations. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully, guys, you tagged along. There were some uh, guests throughout the year that also did very well. So honorable mentions to Bama, to Logan, to Pedram, to Blake, to everyone who came on the show this week. Sorry if I didn't mention you there, but we really enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. So what, do you have any other, like, final, like, go up to the podium acceptance speech? Speech, speech. Uh, well, you know, this has really opened up my mind. This whole podcast and this whole uh, betting on fights, not only did it show me that I'm good at it, I mean, I'm not the best. <laughs> Mr. Humble over here. <laughs> Cade. But, but it's made me good. This has made me good because just being able to open my eyes to other fighters, not just the big names, and really start to – I really get – it. Just it's helped me not only be able to see how much talent is really out there, but it's allowed me to grow in my IQ. It's allowed me to watch – and, and, and enjoy UFC at a whole nother level, MMA and, and, and the sport in general at a whole nother level. I, I just encourage you guys um, to watch the Especially fight. Especially those Watch prelims. the fight nights. Don't just be that guy who shows up for the last two fights on the pay-per-view, man. Like some Juan. of the most exciting fights that I've ever seen. Yeah, Juan. Um, start from – it's so great watching these guys grow, like Kevin Holland and, and – uh, and so many other great fighters, you know, just watching them grow. Kevin Holland, Calvin Cater, um, Bryce Mitchell, like watching these guys grow and destroy that are going to become monsters. You guys just, you're missing out on so much. And I just really enjoyed it. Uh, I really, it really makes me think really hard and, and really, it just really helps me 
it just made me so much more smarter when it comes to the fight game and, and MMA in general, just really having to dive down and educate myself on possible ways of winning, their strengths, their weaknesses, who's out there learning about new guys. There's just so much that I've learned, to, to keep it short and simple, uh, not only with the podcast, but just calling fights in general. And uh, I, I think I should start betting now. <laughs> I, I got to get on those betting cards, you know? Yeah, get maybe you should. I don't know. I, I, I've always felt that I've... You know, I'm I'm pretty decent at picking fights, but I didn't realize until we sat down and had to do it every single week about how much I just do it when I feel like it. And most times I just sit back and enjoy the fights that happen and yeah. watch them progress so in their career. so hard to enjoy when you're betting. <laughs> so that's what <laughs> I'm like getting stressing. at. So, so it's like sometimes it's yeah. like, yeah, I'll bet on this one. But when you're not forced to every single week, it's like you just enjoy the fights um, without that pressure. And although it does make it fun, it adds another wrinkle to the game. It's uh, it, it does it makes you what I think it does is it makes you object. Right. Like for me, I've had yeah, to try to separate sure. myself from my biases throughout the whole year where I want people to win. So if I'm in just kind of a water cooler conversation, you're going to you're going to say the person that you you want to win, the one that you have, like, you know, an, an emotional connection to them, their outcome. And, and, and with this, you can't be doing that, man. And that's not you can give your emotional opinion because there's nothing to lose. But when there's points on the line and when there's a. When there's a predictions challenge championship on the line, <laughs> yes. you got you to gotta go with your brain. And that's what it's really taught me to do. As much as I want to go with my heart, you, you got to look at the stats. you got to look at their momentum, who they've lost to, who they've won, how they're beating them. There's so many things that come into play to picking fights. And it's a beautiful mathematical equation. And when you get it right, <laughs> man, it's just so gratifying. You got a beautiful mind over here. And bro, no, I don't because you were super close. You were like four points behind me Well, that the was the very that's... end. You came up one t- one night, I think almost 18 points. Yes, but that's exactly a testament to what we just talked about because I figured out halfway through the season that I needed to adjust and stop just picking who I w- would have desired to yes. have out, you know, come out the victor because although with underdogs, I see certain paths to victories for them, even ones that I go against them yeah. uh, but you know i guess my emotions sometimes at least earlier on in the season made me just kind of go over that tipping point to be like yeah yeah they can do it they can get it done and when it's coming down to being objective that's you don't want to be using your emotions like that yeah 23 yeah. points down or 21 points down at one point mm-hmm. in the season and then switched it up and had some lucky bounces here and there sometimes there was a split decision that'd go my way that i didn't even agree with and vice versa sometimes you'd be yeah. like i'll take the points yeah. but i don't think they won you know yeah there's sometimes like a draw I think I've had two yeah. times where a draw went my way, and I went with the, the underdog or switched last minute to the underdog, and it was a draw, and I it would have helped me a lot in points, and it ended up just null and voiding it and tying us again, and I was like, mother trucker, if yeah. I had that, I'd be up on him right now, yeah. or vice versa for you, you would have been up on me, and it, yeah. it, it was a close battle, man. It was uh, fun. I enjoyed really it. I really did. And then, look, like you were saying, we're down to the end. I was getting close, four points behind, and and I thought, dude, what, the underdogs in this card, I would have gone for. I would have gone for ninety percent of them. Yeah, I would have gone for Rob Font. Um, well, I, well, I didn't. I should have. But uh, there was a lot of underdogs, like uh, Colin, or the, uh, well, actually I, I Pierre ended up being one. an underdog, but like uh, uh, with Pettis. Pettis, was he an underdog? No, Morona was. You know, so like Morona was a tough underdog. Pettis is kind of like I would I, w- I don't want to say towards the end of his career, but you know, he's he's You're not he's, sure. He's jumbled around weight classes. Yeah. He's had some ups and down losses. He hasn't had a title run and Morona's an up and t- coming contender. And, and we talked about it basically earlier we were saying last week, I don't know if it was recorded or not, but that <laughs> I think it was when you took those CBD gummies. That uh, weren't CBD gummies. Dude, uh they were full that, spectrum gummies. Dude, I I 
I got to say this before. <laughs> Guys, yesterday, I haven't smoked weed or done any of this stuff in like two and a half years. And I went to Up and Smoke. I, they're not a weed shop, guys. They're, they just sell like CBD stuff, but mostly pipes and, and stuff. Johnny owns it. And I just asked for CBD gummies, and I got some CBD oil for my back. When you go into a shop that's just a smoke shop, but not like a CBD it's retailer. It's 2020, man. Get used to it. It's going to happen more and more You often. don't expect when I'm like, <laughs> hey, I told the guy, I just want some CBD gummies, something for inflammation. He's like, yeah, these are the only ones we have. They weren't CBD gummies. They're full-spectrum edibles, and I do not metabolize edibles okay. well at all. I was no. high out of my mind for like six hours. He's one of those people that has a super high sensitivity to 11-hydroxy metabolite. So he takes one bite of a regular edible. He's on an acid trip for seven hours. So in this case, he got lucky and only ate one little cube, which I is... almost ate two. I was like, oh, these are CBD gummies. I usually have two or three. So he basically got the same experience as someone like me that needs to eat 200 plus milligrams to feel. So he was legitimately edible was, high as fuck. I was high. So I said, I don't know if this you'll make this connection. And this and is the whole point of me bringing attack, this up. Not uh, really, I held it pretty well. It, I, I controlled it, but it I was, said I need to I need stressful. to tie this knot with why I brought this up. I said um, it's crazy, man. When you're picking fights, it's not just like a mathematical equation. There's human beings involved. And you stopped and you looked at me all high. You're like, that was beautiful, man. And then you walked in your room. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> it was super. It seemed very profound. But yeah, but it's true. It's it's, it's the most you got you got to to touch on it. You got to when you're picking fights, you have to think it's not just about their stats. Like it's not a video game. These guys have emotional things they're going through. Your mental it's mental warfare in there. And if you're not mentally focused, if you have other things on your mind and you're not focused and you're not remembering the combinations of the things that they taught you as human beings Things can affect you in life to where you're thrown off your game constantly. Like watch how Mike Perry unraveled throughout this entire year because he has an unstable outside the cage He's so life. on and off, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I think even some of his striking technique has changed a little bit f- for the worse, I would say. I, I, my whole point is, yeah, it was beautiful to me when I heard that stone out of my mind because it's <laughs> the truth. It's... Uh, that's something that I've also played a part to, too. It's like, okay, is he coming back from... Like with... Uh, with uh, what's his face? Anthony Smith, you were talking about how he felt like he was going to bounce back, and he he was good at uh, jumping, you know, coming back into the next fight, not taking in the the adversity from the previous fight. And after his Glover fight, he came back and had a great, a bad performance against Rakic. Don't get, but then came back and won the next one. You saw Dominated that coming. There was there was just situations where you you could say, okay, basically you you used the term momentum earlier, and that's kind of what we we do. We look at their career trajectory, their wins, their losses, how they're winning, how they're losing, but it, it develops kind of of like a persona or or a feeling an aura of how are they doing in their life right now are things on the upswing or things on the downswing and then obviously being in the weeds with this bullshit you see their social medias and stuff like that exactly. you can kind of catch a wind of, of what's going on in their life but it, it overall can play a role sometimes it does sometimes it motivates them sometimes it puts them out of their game so yeah they're human beings it's not black and white out there so it can make it tough even where on paper it looks one way and it doesn't come you know, end up that going that way. So yeah, especially for like a high level opponent like Anthony Smith, if he's not on his game and he's fight fighting these up and coming dogs, that usually plays a part in why I pick against him because you know when he's having bad nights and he's facing these dogs, he just sometimes can't put it together or he just is overwhelmed or he's just not there. Uh, but another prime example of what we're speaking about is, um, for example, when you get knocked out for the first time in your career or not in a long time. Um, Marias, um, you yeah. know, really just, uh, you know, 
I pref- I expected him to be a dog and to mix it up in the striking and to, and to fight like he normally does in the pocket and, and mix it up very well. But he came out there with a totally different game plan. was not his night. Tried to take him down. Burned his arms out early. Might have been his undoing, And, and yeah. then got picked apart. And it could be his own mental warfare just from, you know, getting knocked out. He doesn't want the fear of getting knocked out again. Sometimes you hesitate and make irrational decisions like... You or know, doubt yourself and, and go away from what you're good at. Like Anthony Pettis went ahead and continued to be Anthony Pettis later on in that fight when he could have been like, fuck, I did a flying scissor kick, yeah. and now I'm on my back again. You know? And I only have two rounds to catch up. Yeah, so it's uh, the mental has so – I mean, the mind controls the body, guys. So no matter how good you are technically with your physical abilities, if you can't get your mind right, it doesn't come out in the, on the night. So Yeah, that's why – yeah, they're humans. And, and what it comes down to is they could be – it could they could be a, a – uh, they could be uh, an Israel uh, Izania. They could be um, such a, a dominant force, but you know someone passes it away in their family, or they have an an underlying injury that's really bothering them that they haven't told anyone about, but they're still fighting. All these things could affect them on that night and cause them to lose. These are things that are dramatic that can affect the performance of an athlete. So. Not to mention four-ounce gloves. That's why it's such a, yeah. You know, there's so many things that can that's happen in an MMA fight. That's why, for me, I think that's a, a real big thing to take away in picking fights. I think it's important for, if you ever wanted to pick fights, you guys should really see where they are in their life or look at their social media. And, and sometimes the UFC Embedded's really helped me understand, too. Sure. Like, how their week's going, if they're struggling, how they look. If, if And sometimes there's some news, like, yeah, we're dealing with these things. Because then it makes you wonder, like, man, is he mentally going to be there? We talk about watching weights, uh, weigh-ins and stuff like to with, make your final decisions. Like with Cum Swanson. Like, it was that, you know, he's coming off a knee injury. How's that going to hold up? He torn ACL. He just had surgery. Uh, and his, his leg went out pretty early, but he was able to get the finish. But, you know, like, uh, that's a big thing where you decide, like, all right, if this guy starts, is he going to be able to keep up? Is he going to be hesitant on striking because he's got an injured leg? So it makes you question, and especially if he's facing someone who's a gnarly kicker. Then you're like, okay, I'm probably going to go for the kicker. And if he wasn't such a veteran, hadn't already been through wars, and had that mental ability to fight through I that adversity. I went against Cub Swanson. You know what I'm saying? I went against Cub Swanson. So, again, they're humans, and there's so many things that come into play. And I just find it so fun and intriguing how many small aspects and how many things you can truly use to help pick and then at the end of the day, it's completely unpredictable, and that's why I think I think the moral, the way I'll button that up is that I don't feel bad by losing because we sit together, we watch fights all the time. You have a lot of knowledge. You have a lot of knowledge from an actual like practical standpoint of doing it yourself as well. I have a little bit, but not nearly as much as you. You've you've instructed other people on how to execute techniques, so you see it from that eye. But all that being said, there's so many things that can happen in a fight that it's pretty much unpredictable. So I don't like feel bad when like okay on paper. It looks like this guy's going to be the better fighter. I can't tell you how many times that's what I thought, and it didn't turn out my way. And maybe they very well have been technically the better fighter, but in terms of their skills and abilities, but maybe not their ability to execute against another human being in a cage under the big lights, like with all the pressures that come along with it. And that is what it takes in order to be successful at this level. Yeah, and remember, when you guys call fights and you see two fights on, on paper or a matchup on paper, remember that usually the guy that you're going for is either going up in level or going down. And if he's going up in level, those stats aren't going to kind of attribute to the, the better level facing guys, especially if the guys, if let's say this guy you're picking is going to decision all the time, but he's winning fights and out striking people, but then you got a guy who's, you know, come fought a little bit tougher opponents that he's up next against and has been knocking out all his opponents, uh, you know, um, 
this fight has a less potential of going to decision and potentially like a mid-knockout or to first-round knockout. So then you've got to start thinking, well, his stats are good if he goes to decision, but if he's facing a guy with power, it's going to change now. There's so many things that... We see that a lot from the regional scene to UFC jump, right? Where they're just knocking out first-round finishes and a lot of the regional opponents, and then they come in, and then that very first fight against it's somewhat a, of a higher competition, we don't know how it's going to go. Are they going to continue to look the way they've looked with the step-up in competition, or should we not expect them to yeah. be able to, to finish their opponent or look anything like they've looked against. And in a situation like that, if it were to come to me betting um, or picking, I would. That's where you kind of. That's where I meet in the middle. A lot of times I go with the known commodity, but a lot of these jump out breakout stars this year ended up putting me behind in points. Yeah. Because I didn't know much about them. Watch their two, three regions. Do my tape study. Okay, they're putting these fools away in the first round, but you know they're this, facing a higher competition. This is so. the regional scene. These fight these these fighters suck, kind of thing. So going to UFC now, it's going to be different. And then sometimes they come in and they look phenomenal, and I'm like, okay, well, guess yeah. they are the truth. Yeah, and then, but for me, most of the time, what I see is that these guys end up either winning by decision if they're killing it on the scene coming yeah. to UFC, yeah, or they get a late finish. They 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 they're quite it just they don't more quite difficult get in the for first. Them. It's a little more difficult. Well, I'm seeing the Dana White Contender Series fighters though coming in and having a lot of success right off the bat. I think I think they like that. I think as the promotion brings more fighters in from there they're gonna they're gonna you know they try to say look these guys are coming off the contender series and now they're doing so good in the ufc aren't we doing a good job picking talent i think that's kind of the way that, that circular logic works there so um dan Ige is a big guy up there uh, uh what was it a few weeks ago perez was the first uh dan white consider series alum to fight for a title fight so Italia? you know it, it's it's just when it comes down to it, guys, there's just a lot of different things that you have to consider. So however much you may think you know about it, us included, you never really can predict what's going to happen. And that's why it's so fun, and that's why we watch. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that you can use to help. You can look towards, you yeah. And I would advise you to look at uh, their stats, how they're winning, who they fought compared to their opponent, and then... Uh, def ha, yeah. and definitely their, where they are mentally and physically, you know, and, and so... There's there's a lot of stuff to put together. I mean, I could go on for hours, but yeah, it's a uh, it was a fun experience. I'm glad I won. Um, I'm glad it was super close like this. Uh, I this just makes me know that you know next year. Oh, I'm gonna try I'm gonna to hit to the ground I'm running, baby. Have to step it up, man. I'm gonna have to be on my toes, man, because that <laughs> was a close one. I was biting a bullet. That was a good job. Congratulations. And speaking of Thank next you. year, um, there's a few changes that we're gonna make to the predictions challenge, and okay. I think you guys are gonna like them. I haven't really gone over all of them one by one with Nate, so that's pretty much what I'm gonna do to also explain them to you. And to introduce this, um, I wanted to say this before, but part of the whole thing I did with the Hail Mary, Nate, <coughs> excuse me, was um. I wanted to prove a flaw within the system, within the scoring system. Well, it didn't happen this last week, but I'm sure it would have happened previous weeks had I gone with all underdogs and mostly unanimous decisions on previous weeks. There would have been a week where I could have shown the flaw in, in this because the the way the point structure is, it is incentivizes you to go with underdogs, which there's no problem with that. I'm fine with that. But with the whole unanimous decision thing, which is the most common type of decision, yeah. it would if you went with an underdog and you got it right for any one of us, that would have been a four-point swing. The extra point for underdog, the right fighter, and unanimous decision, both points there. So my whole point is that if someone leaned on unanimous decision underdog picks for a couple weeks, they may have a week where they could have just jumped ahead solely by just going that way, based on the way the points were structured. So that's going to be one of the changes. But I was, we were good boys. 
Yeah, we didn't ab- abuse the system essentially. No, no. And and I, on that note, I wanted to point out that you you could have literally tailed every single one of my picks for the last few weeks with that f- few point lead. And so so then there would have been a no points changed. Yeah. So I appreciate that you you know picked them the way you thought they were gonna go. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Excuse me, because now it, it made that like twenty point lead even better. You know, so <laughs> I I ain't mad. Sorry, taking a drink because my voice is... uh, We're getting to the end of this episode. We're at the hour mark, so I apologize, guys. But that was just a little teaser to explain kind of the the genesis of why I wanted to change the points uh, structure. Not a lot has changed. I'm going to go from the top, see if you can follow me here. Normally, this last year, we did like anywhere from five to on the heavier end, we do seven picks, right? That didn't happen all the time. It was mostly closer to five or six. This year, I want to do eight picks minimum every single uh, week. But wow. here's the here's the catch, is that we're only going to do for two, like the main and co-main, and sometimes a, a, an additional one, are we, are we going to be picking the round and the method of victory? So from the majority of the fights that we're going to pick, allowing us to pick more, you know, shorter to the point uh, descriptions on where our mind's at, but we're just basically going to pick win-loss. This person's going to win or this person's going to win, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the underdog points will still be in play during those picks, so you have the potential of up to two points to win on those picks. But mm-hmm. just to kind of Streamline it, give us more uh, fights to go over to expose more fighters to our listeners as well as, you know, shorten the amount of time that we have to dive deep on these fights. We're going to shorten it to two, maybe three max in terms of the deep dives and the method of victories and what rounds uh, or decisions, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the majority of the picks are just going to be straight win loss. Okay. All right, so then to run down it, uh, to recap, correct fighter gets you a point. Underdog gets you a point. Method of victory got you a point uh, in the previous year, which will still get you a point in the future year. So if you pick a sub, a TKO, or a decision, cool, you get an extra point for that. Now, this is what I was talking about earlier. Decision is only worth one point, and it covers both unanimous and split decision. If you say, I want this person to win by decision, and you just say decision, it covers both, and it's only worth one point. Now, if you think this fight's going to be super close, and you think it is going to go the distance, but it's going to be so close that the judges are going to have a difficult time with it, and you want to take the risk and go for a split decision, you have the potential to get both points if it goes split and decision, right? If it goes unanimous, you don't get any points at all. So you're taking a risk by uh, saying, I think this is going to be a split decision, risking it, but also potentially getting that extra point for it. Does that make sense? Yep. All right. So moving on, we talked about round and method of victory. So if I picked second round TKO, for instance, right, and this last year's scoring system, that would give me um, three points, obviously, potentially four as an underdog, but the correct fighter, the correct round, and then the the correct method. method. Okay. Okay. Now, next year, if you get that trifecta right, you get an additional point. So if you correct the peck round, the correct method, obviously the fighter, um, both round and method, you get an additional point. Okay. Now, if you get the right round but wrong method or right method and wrong round, you still get that point, but you don't get that extra point for calling it correct on all three fronts there. Does that make sense? Yes. And if he's an underdog, do I get another point? Of course. Okay. Underdog points are always in play. Okay, always. Okay. okay. And so um, the last, well, second to last tweak is we're going to do a fight of the night pick. Now, I've tried to explain mm-hmm. this to people because they used to do fight of the night, submission of the night, performance of the night. Every night. Every but single night. But they don't night. do that all the time now. <clears throat> now it's just separated by four performance bonuses. And, and they will call it fight of the night if they end up having what's called a fight of the night. But all that does is, it, all that means is just two out of those performance bonuses went 
to two fighters that are in the same fight. So then now they call it fight of the night. So, for instance, there could be four different people who get a performance bonus because they all did great, but they were all on, di- you know, different fights. Yeah, but if two guys fought the same fight and they both, it was just a gnarly fight. They both get they, performance they, they bonuses. They both get bonuses. It's a performance. It's a, it's a fight, fight of the, the night. night. So it's a new bonus pretty much that the UFC is given out. Like, well, even if you lost, you get a bonus. Yeah, there was know. always four bonuses technically. Yeah, but um, I guess I'm just trying to say this for listeners. I know we're on the same page, but um, usually for performance of the night, only the winner of that fight of the performance of the night, the person who gets the KO or the submission victory, gets a bonus. But for fight of the night, who the guys that competed in the fight of the night, both of them get bonuses. Yeah, the even winner the loser. and the loser That's because right. they both competed in fight of the night. It was a hell of a fight. And so, yeah. And, and usually, of- obviously, fight of the nights go to what? Decision. A right. lot of times. Right. Or else if. And, and, exactly. You know. Otherwise, one of the two fighters would probably have gotten one of the other bonuses. I'm sure there's been a rare chance when I'd have to do research when there's been like a five round fight. Like with. Uh, we'll probably do uh, um, Korean Zombie versus uh, Yair Rodriguez right? with the Israel elbow. Or Israel Zombie versus Calvin Gaslam. Yeah. That was probably fight that of the That was night. fight of the year. Yeah. Fight of the year. And, yeah. you know, Calvin got finished towards yeah. the end. But still. Uh, but they both got bonuses. That's true. You know, so That's true. Okay, so th- what I'm trying to say is, is there may be some weeks that go by where there's four bonuses giving them, given out, but there's no technically no fight of the night that week, right? So with our predictions challenge points, what we're going to do is that every single week you have to pick a f- what you think is going to be fight of the night, right? Mm-hmm. So one point is technically kind of like, oh, okay, I didn't get to this point. You could bet up to five points on whatever fight you think is going to be fight of the night, right? But what happens if you don't get it right? You lose those points. Okay. So if you think this Can is I a week... Can I choose not to bet on fight of the night? No. That's the thing. We both have to pick one for oh, each week. Oh, but we have up to... Can I... I can bet up to five points, yes. correct? I can choose just to risk one exactly. or five. Exactly. So uh, if we think it's a card where we're like, I don't really think... I think these are stinkers. I don't think there's going to be any fights of the night. I'm I definitely just going to do the do one. Do the one point. Yeah. Exactly. Because then you lose one point that week. We both... If, say, we both went that way, we would both technically lose one point that week. Yeah, so it's not unfair because we both have to bet on it. Exactly. You have to every single week, even though there may not be a fight of the night that week. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. End of the episode, yeah, you have to deal with yeah, the coughs. Yeah. Um, so basically, each week, we're going to pick which fight we think is going to be the fight of the night. That's why you got to, sorry, stop smoking trees and eat edibles like me. I know. For <laughs> real, though. You're right. <laughs> for the kidding. listener's sake. Um, but it was it, an accident, guys. I, <laughs> I really didn't want to do it. It worked out, though. Uh, I survived. Worked out for good content for the show. Yeah, no, but basically one point's on the line minimum every single week. So say, for instance, you get a shitty week and you don't get any points, any fights correct, you could technically end the week with negative one. Yeah. So it just kind of <laughs> keeps us honest. Like, it, even though, say, like, you beat, you win all the fights of the night, but then I got the fight of the night, so then that makes us tie for the week. So it just adds an additional wrinkle to make it fun and then allows you to exert your confidence if you really think, okay, this is the fight I think is going to be the fight of the night tonight. Yeah. I'm betting five points on this motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. No, that that, that makes complete sense to me. Um, that's a new one that I'm excited to implement for sure because um, – that's going to be a nice little chess piece there. Okay. And then the very last thing changes for the points. And granted, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm fucking around here. I'm just making it up on the fly. Uh, but if things in in action seem to be causing difficulties or problems, we'll mix it up. We'll change it up. We'll make it work. But one additional point is on the line each week for who wins on, like, the win-loss tally. So just straight up win loss. So say we pick five fights and you went five and or I'm sorry eight fights. You went five and three and I went um, six and two. I get one additional point because I beat you on the win loss that week, for instance. 
And I've decided to do five points, not ten, because of how close this particular year ended up. But at the end of the year, because we're going to do a running tally, whoever wins on the total number of fights win-loss ratio gets an additional five points at the end of the year to maybe, in my case, that would have been the five points I would have possibly needed. So that's the differences. That's the changes. That's what you guys have to look ahead to for 2021 for the DLSS Predictions Challenge. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, just uh, in case, because my mind went somewhere when you said that. You're like, well, obviously the guy who wins the predictions challenge is going to have the best ratio. Um, not necessarily. And not necessarily, yes. exactly. And that's because um, you have to understand there's also the method of victory. The round. The round and stuff. Underdog so, points. So it, the, the that plays in, into part there. So We weren't 13 or however many parts separate at the end of the day, at the end of the season this year, because we picked 13 different opponents against each other. We exactly. were different because sometimes he picked second-round TKO and it went decision. And yeah, because you, you could know, pick the same guy who wins. I could method, just pick a better round. method and make more points. Exactly. So it is completely fair to do that. So It's going to be fun. So I yeah. hope you guys are excited. The last thing I'll say about the predictions challenge, guys, is that um, I do want to have more engagement. I do want to have more people come on and do the picks with us like we did last year. We did have a, a good amount of people that came in and were guests, and we had a lot of engagement throughout the year on social media and stuff like that. Um, but I want to make it even more uh lower the barriers to entry especially with covid and people not really traveling around is so i'm going to be trying to have more guests each week for the predictions challenge i'm going to work out with the irig that nate was uh, explaining to me to be able to even do it over the phone or maybe i'll just have you record like a minute of your time just giving your picks and play it on the show but if you guys are interested in being guests and going head to head against nate and i on the predictions challenge make sure to reach out to us on our socials and we'll be happy to have you on yeah absolutely um I mean, I would like it. I would like to find one of y'all who's just willing to compete the whole year. If you think you got what it's what it takes, that'd you know? be fun because that is that is does make it the most challenging. Yeah, we'd love to have a third competitor here, you know, and see. Let's see. I know Matt Rojas is a pretty diehard fan. I know. I don't know if Matt's still listening. I don't know what he's up to these days. I know my boy Jose Nunez does it every week on his social, at least for the main card only. So let's see if he can grow some balls yeah, and do some Jose, prelim fights. What's up, man? Where you at? <laughs> yeah, that that would be great. I mean, we would love that. Per- uh, that uh, precipitation. <laughs> that participation. <laughs> I want it to rain. Uh, we, we would love that evaporation for sure. Con- <laughs> we would love that condensation. No. Got any more? Uh, that was good. We would love that procrastination. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this will definitely uh, this will definitely make it spice things up a, a bit. Uh, it takes away some of the loopholes that I don't think we would abuse because I think we're fairly honest guys when it comes to doing this. But it's good that... Uh, now there's no chance of you utilizing the you know the tailing aspect of the uh, yeah. predictions. I could have totally tailed you. You actually mentioned that to me before, and I'm quite like three, pro- four, or five cards ago. I'm yeah, proud of myself that I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? I was, I was scared, man, because he went all underdogs. Like if these underdogs, which are like good underdogs, win, I am. He's gonna smash me. But I'm like, I doubt it. I was hoping for at least two or three of them to come they through. They would have kept it close. And then that would have taken away the points from the ones you got on those and been hopefully, if I got them right, four-point you know, wins. So yeah, yeah. four times three, 12 points, only down by four. That means you would have had to gain eight on the week. So I was like, I was going for it because I saw it as a potential flaw in the scoring system. And I thought, like you said, these were legitimate underdogs too. So Yeah. So, I mean, I, I didn't think, like when you were doing it, I wasn't like, Man, this kid's dumb. I'm just like, you no, know, I, if I was in that position, I would try to go for underdogs, especially if they were that close. I mean, some of them were pickums at the when we first originally did it. Like exactly. Uh, like the like, Hardy Tibera fight was. There was, was a three a of them and that so were pickums. So was the Colin Williams was really close with uh, 
with uh, Michelle Pajeda, yeah. yeah. And then Pierre ended up being the underdog, and Williams ended up being the uh, favorite at, at the night of the fight. So, um, so that, that goes into that, it too, guys. <laughs> that helped me out a lot because I think it was either Pickham or I think uh, Pierre was the slight favorite originally. So, man, crazy, crazy. Yep. yep. Well, speaking of spicing things up, before we uh, transition the hell out of here for this week, we're already at an hour 10. Didn't realize that. Um, the giveaway. I always wait till the end, guys. Hopefully you don't just fast forward to get the details to something like this. If you do, fuck you. I'm just kidding. But I, I basically was leaving it to the end because hopefully you enjoy the episode. You listen to everything having to do with it. But then as we are on our way out, I'm basically just letting you know these like kind of, what would you call them, like... Um, uh, don't you don't you do it? Don't you do it? Housekeeping notes, I guess you you'd go. call it. He was gonna pause it. <laughs> uh, we gotta go. We gotta go with the flow more. I'm, I'm fucking tired, man. Uh, this is a long episode. Anyways, all I'm trying to say is giveaway. You guys want money? I spoke about it earlier in the episode. I teased it so you know there's a giveaway. You know there's details. So hundred dollars, hundred dollars on the line, and it's coming straight from uh, Gavin Newsom's pocket because I ain't got no money and I won my appeal with the, with the state. So I got a couple bucks coming in that's gonna get me through the next month and give me a couple extra bucks to pay for your, your guys' engagement and and thank you for your support. So. Four ways to enter. Instagram. You share this episode, episode 62. You can screenshot it. You can screen record it. You can share the post that I put out when I say that it's dropped. Share this episode with hashtag DLSS, hashtag 100, hashtag giveaway. All three hashtags have to be there. When you do that, you also have to DM me a suggestion for what I have to do as the loser of this year's predictions challenge. That's the theme. That's what we're doing is suggestions for the loser of the predictions challenge. What's winning right now is the potential tattoo, believe it or not. So even if I end up going with the tattoo and the second place one that I like the most, I'll give them the $100. This is 100% subjective, guys, so don't think it's some random drawing. You have to get creative. You have to find funny and cool things to suggest so I like it the best, and then that'll make you win the challenge. As I said, four ways to enter. Instagram, share the episode, and send me a DM with your suggestion. Make sure not to forget the hashtags. Twitter, same thing. You have to quote tweet the tweet that I put out saying this episode 62 is out with your suggestion and those same hashtags. If it's too long, paraphrase it and then DM me. Thirdly, if you don't have any social media and I find out you do, that's fine, but you better think up different suggestions for these entries. Otherwise, they're not going to count as additional entries. But you can send a straight email to me if you'd like. Dustin underscore R dot love at yahoo.com. Email me. Tell me your name. Give me your suggestion. That's another entry. Last entry and my telegram fav- and my fa- <laughs> telegram. <laughs> my favorite entry and the one that might get you extra points if there's two that are neck and neck and one it's of them the comes back through. Door entry. Fuck off. <laughs> if, if it comes through, Apple and iTunes, guys. The yes, review? I'm whoring myself Ooh. out. We need that engagement. It helps with the algorithm. But if you go into the rate and review sections, hopefully five star review of co- or rating, of course. But if you go into the review section and you give your your suggestion for what I have to do as the loser of the predictions challenge this year, there's an additional entry, so you can enter up to four different times. Get creative. Give four different suggestions because it is subjective and what i decide to do again if i do the tattoo i'll do i'll cho- choose the second best but what i like the best is the suggestion will end up winning the hundred dollars that's it there it is my fucking voice is gone what do you guys think Re- guys just remember that he says the suggestion he likes the best it's subjective so, i mean i'll powwow with you yeah, a little yeah, bit on exactly it, but my, no 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 i'm not i'm not i'm not saying you're a douche i'm 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you're leaving me out of this I'm the winner. That's all I need. <laughs> My whole point is 
I'm telling you, if you make up something absurd and ridiculous and cruel, he's not going to like that one the best. <laughs> I might laugh. He might laugh. So try to be creative. Think of Dustin, something that's a good punishment or something that's cool that he should do, but something that he will like doing. And, and I'm going to record it, so something that maybe will make for good content. Yeah, but if you're like, oh, you need to go slap a homeless man and then poop in his, poop in his box or... Or, or like take his. Did you read my diary? That's yeah. that's what. If they would have said that, they would have won. <laughs> you can't be giving away the ant. No, or I'm just like kidding. you need to like go jump in like a, a a cactus bush or something like. Oh, that would suck. Yeah, we're not gonna do anything crazy like that. But like, ice bath or jump in a cold lake. Or like you have to go buy a I'll custom belt that yeah, says listen. that says predictions challenge champion on it. Well, I was gonna suggest that maybe we can maybe try because I'm broke to go in halves on one. Me, of those. me and you will go halvesies on a belt. I'm sure they're like eighty bucks. But that's not fair because you won. So then next year, like if I win it, it's like do I just give you forty bucks finally for the for the half? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying since you lost, that's your punishment. You have to give me forty bucks, and I'll. And I'll contribute. And you'll get to wear the belt, I guess. And I get to wear the belt, and I'll contribute. It doesn't mean next year that you have to spend another 40 bucks because we already have the belt, so you don't have to spend any money. Yeah. Well, Nate won the Predictions Challenge uh, giveaway, guys, so here's your 100 bucks. Give me 60 of it back or 40 back. How's this working? Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't know yet. <laughs> well, we'll see what the guys have for suggestions. Um, also, guys, if you have a chance, uh, please share your th- these posts when you do, if you can tag me and Dustin in it as well. That's obviously not the stipulation oh, yeah, it is. for that, but I would love for you to tag us in it because we're going to be sharing it, and I'd love to, We, you know, if we can increase our following and be able to get this out on, on get ourselves out there as well, that would really help. So if you can just tag us in those posts as well, that'd be, that, or at least me, at Nathaniel Deptula, N-A-T-H-A-N-I-E-L, last name D-E-P-T-U-L-A, at Nathaniel Deptula, that is my Instagram tag. Yeah, and guys, just share the content, share the show, share the post. Uh, I do. I know we have listeners, I have numbers, I have analytics that come in, so I'd really appreciate it if you guys, I mean, are you embarrassed? You don't want to tell people they're a DLSS podcast listener? Or a Trump supporter, or you know, like I'm just kidding. I'm I'm wondering, like, what is it? I'm a be- Trump supporter. Be- between there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, what's the difference between the number of listeners that I have and the number of people that want to, you know, tell other people to listen to the show? Is it bad quality? If that's the case, then don't share it. Go to Apple and iTunes and fucking tell me about it. Like I want or engagement. Just don't do that because that's gonna hurt us. How about you just message us and be like, hey, the quality could be better. No, you, give me you, a five star rating, but you can give me critical feedback. Hey, I don't care. I love the show. Just everything else sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess you're right. I don't want some other person to read this. Like, you guys suck on the ratings on the reviews. That would suck. Yeah. So don't do that. All right, guys. Well, I hope, thank you for sticking it out. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you guys are looking forward to next year as much as we are. Obviously, a few more weeks of episodes before it gets to the, uh, 2021. Next week, in fact, it's going to be my 36th birthday, and we'll be recording. Wow. I'll be recording on my birthday next Sunday, so I hope you guys tune in for that one. That'll be my birthday present to me, um, so make sure to tune in next week for that. But in the next couple of weeks, guys, there's not fights. There's not fights to break down or give predictions yeah, for. Spending time with their family. Yep, for- it's for Christmas. As far as the podcast is concerned, though, we're going to take advantage. We're going to take advantage yeah. of the opportunity and to mess with the programming a little bit and make yeah. it fun. And you never know what to expect each week. So make sure to tune in and to see what we got for you. We're going to make sure that a lot of fun content continues to come your way. There's always things to talk about. There's always things going on in the MMA and UFC and in combat sports world. So I'm sure we'll have things to talk about, but uh, not the traditional you know, structure as, as you're used to. So um, that's actually exciting, I feel like. So that's going to give us the freedom to mess around and, and have some fun 
these next couple weeks. So make sure to tune in for that as well as that's when we're going to be over the next couple weeks announcing who the winner of the uh, giveaway was. So if you're missing out on that, which just like in the last one, it is going to require someone to um, hear me say that they won and have to post about it in order to collect your prize. So you're going to want to make sure to listen back to each week. And I hope you guys do. I hope to see you yeah, guys there. Yeah, because if you don't post about it within 24 hours, you're the, we're going to pick someone else. Ha <laughs> ha. Maybe. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but we should be announcing it in the next couple of weeks or so, so make sure to tune in for that. Yeah, listen every episode. Yeah, basically every single episode. Or every come second. And I'll make sure that Drew Dober beats up your sister. And that's a couple of weeks ago, a little Easter egg. Why is that funny? He beat up my sister and she's still in the hospital. <laughs> it was my sister, actually. Actually, my sister put up a good fight. Well, Bru- Drew Dober? Brew Drober. Brew Drober. Oh, and we should do some sort of pick or some sort of bet or some sort of something with how many, like we should do a tally next year of how many times uh, Nate gets names wrong and we'll <laughs> see if, he, and then we can see what percentage was he just going for it because he w- wasn't going to attempt it and what percentage is like his lisp or the fact that his mind works so fast that he's thinking of like the next word before he gets the, the word out. Seriously, don't make fun of me. My name is Siri Steve and I do everything seriously correct. <laughs> <laughs> or next year, all I'll do is pick fights like this. Oh, please I mean, don't. I think Jose Aldo's going to kick his butt. Seriously, I, like he's going to kung fu his, right in the throat. I would much rather you say every name wrong. Than, than yes. Caitlin Chukagan, coming I, in with the win. Choo-choo train. See, that's... Choo-choo. Co- there was a few fighters and references over the year, like that being one of them, that I remember you messed up and you went for it on some other direction, and that stuck out, and, and I remembered it. So maybe that's the, maybe that's the point. Dude, well, the biggest one was, uh, what's that black guy's name that... Uh, Oh. Just got knocked out by that spinning back kick. Which oh, it's, input Kasanganai. Yeah, that guy. Input, input Kasanganai. Input and some kind of guy. Yeah, bro. I'm looking forward to see what you come up with next year. Yeah, I'll try my best. But that's it. That does it for this week's installment of the D Love Special Sauce Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, go over to Apple and iTunes, give us a positive review, five star rating. Hopefully, don't forget to turn the notification bell on. That way, you're on top of all the most current content. And while you're supporting us, a small independent podcast, make sure to go check out and support the small businessmen and women who support the show, just like you guys by listening every single week. My boy Eden, eating buttery pancakes slash I get people shredded on IG. Monique Taylor with StrongWomenDesigns.com. Nora, my girl, with DreamLoudCollections.com. Ricardo with Neighborhood Auto Care. Caesar with OC Party Rentals. Mac Noodles, Hibachi Chef. Angie Snyder with Holistic Healing Services. And last but not least, MMT Fitness. Check out their Instagram. Make sure to come and check out the gym. Exit the 5 Freeway off Avery Parkway. First class is always free. Make sure to tell them DLSS sent you. But until next week, same time and same place, we're out of here. Enjoy the fights.